welcome to the Wicked Awesome Podcast. I am your host, Matt, and I'm joined today by Sandy as we review the movie Wolfen from 1981. And we're going to determine if this stands the test of time, if it's a good movie and all that stuff in between. And uh, Sandy, I forewarn you, uh, as I'm thinking about this, I don't script these shows, as you know, but Mm -hmm. as I'm thinking about this movie, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get through this without being inappropriate, foul mouthed. Uh, I'm going to sound like basically a 14 year old boy throughout this <laughs> throughout this whole movie. So understand. Yeah. Uh, with okay. you, uh, with you, I mean, one cool thing about Sandy, and I mean this in the best way possible. Uh-huh. Sandy is just one of the guys I don't hold back when I talk to Sandy, but I will <laughs> ask her uh, from time to time. Is that OK, Sandy? Is that OK that I said that? <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> all right. Uh, so this is a movie I I don't believe I was aware of this movie until you suggested it. So I'm like, uh, all right, I'll watch Wolfen. Uh, so I, I found it. It wasn't streaming uh, on any of the s- services that I have. Uh, so I, I ended up renting it. It was streaming for a $4 rental. So that's how I decided to watch it. What's your history with this movie? Uh, I had not seen it when it originally came out. Um, I had heard good things about the overall storyline, um, although I had never seen the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's interesting because uh, the storyline is what is the dominant uh thing about this movie, and we'll get into that um, a, a little bit. I've always... I mean, I think about werewolf movies from back in the 80s. American Werewolf and london scared the living bejesus out of me you know uh mm-hmm. there are some really good sex scenes in that movie so uh, <laughs> oh okay as a teenage boy i could see that appealing exactly so that part <laughs> appealed to me but it's like you know so with a vcr tape i would rewind to those parts but i mean this, <laughs> the scary movie the scary the scary parts of the movie were uh, really really scary and actually that one may be a good one to rewatch. i haven't seen that jesus since then actually uh but and then i um another one i didn't dare to watch because i thought i'd be too scared was the howling have you ever seen that i have not uh, yeah uh that was one where again i was like 13 14 years old and uh, <laughs> my neighbor was like hey man you gotta watch this <laughs> and i'm like all right and there was a scene where a man and a woman get completely naked but of course you know how the movies work back then you get to see the man just from like the behind <laughs> exactly and then you see the woman just full-blown naked you know full frontal full frontal full, full frontal nudie for, you know so i thought that was kind of cool then they have a hump scene right in front of the campfire and during the hump scene he turns into a werewolf and then i didn't dare to watch after that because i thought i'd be too scared so maybe i should go back and watch that uh knowing that uh, there's that scene in there but i want to see how that ended up i mean hopefully she was okay after that those i'm gonna have to watch because at that time when those were out um i was you know living at home with mom and dad and those were not movies i was allowed to watch so um once I became of the age I could watch them, I had moved on and I had no interest. So 
that's those are two I'll need to rewatch. I see. It was interesting for the first time. It was interesting because uh, Eric was my uh, neighbor growing up and his family would rent movies and his dad really liked movies and it didn't matter if there was profanity or duty, sexual themes, whatever. They just watched it. But it was interesting. I remember watching uh, First Blood with Eric for the first time and somebody said the F word. And Eric's mother came running into the living room and said, hey, (laughs) that's it. We're not renting movies again, ever. And of course they did. (laughs) I mean, we kept on watching First Blood as well. (laughs) And my mother would say, and at my houses, my mother would say things like, oh, wow, that's inappropriate. That's inappropriate. But uh, there again, she let us uh, watch it as well. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so with this movie, uh, it starts out uh, with uh, the world uh, trade. Uh, well, it starts out with the New York City skyline. Yeah. Yes. First thing I notice is the World Trade Center. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, wow. It's like it's that skyline that seems so normal for so long now just looks surreal, I guess. is the mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and. Did you have it? Actually, I'll go through my notes and then you can sure. kind of go through your notes that we, we have. And some I'll just chime in on yours as well. Sure. Absolutely. Where I have similarities or differences. Yep, exactly. And then uh, there's this scene where I see a pre Miami vice Edward James almost he's in this movie. And I'm like, yes. wow, that's kind of cool. And so there's this couple, they're driving along in the limousine. Mm-hmm. Then <laughs> There's one scene as a limousine is like crossing the bridge where a bottle is thrown, I believe by Edward James almost, though it's hard to tell. And the bottle goes through the limousine window and there's really no purpose or explanation for it, really. And I'm like, I, it, it, it's, I'm, I, I'm glad that I kind of. Uh, took note of that because there was really no explanation. I was waiting for some sort of follow-up there and maybe there was later in the movie. It comes much later in the movie. Yes. Yeah, I guess so. It's like, okay, this native American group just doesn't like these rich people. that are going to build on some sacred uh, land. uh, I I guess. And then um, I don't know, there's this flash or an effort, air traffic that is control. It looks like a, there's a security team that looks after this guy, but it almost looks like an air traffic control booth. Uh, How freaking rich is this guy to have like a bunch of guys in like this security booth kind of looking at him? And maybe that was a, maybe they're government agents. I don't know. I don't know. But I got the sense that these people work for him, but. Yeah, they were definitely a security service. I think it was executive security service, ESS, something like that. I see. And maybe that maybe he just happened to be one of their clients and they probably had multiple clients. I think it was probably one of those things. And then they have a dog. That dog is the weirdest looking freaking dog I think I've ever seen. It was like this greyhound. I don't know. Uh, was it a whippet? What's a whippet? Uh, I mean, a it's, short, a, it's a, short a breed um, that has a similar. Let me just take a quick look. I see. It's like a shaggy. It's like a shaggy greyhound. It's uh, 
Yeah. Now the uh, it, it looks like it, but nope, that one is a short hair. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but it is like I mean, I. It's yeah. it's a it's a definitely a purebred animal. I see. Uh, a very high end animal. A very high end rich. So it's like one of those dog show dogs. It's like every time I watch those shows, I'm like. Oh God, these dogs are freaking ugly. What are they looking at with these dogs? <laughs> and then somebody will run out with like a beautiful chocolate lab that ends up in last place. But it's like, oh, come on, man. I that chocolate lab was the best dog. <laughs> God love Google. Here it is. It's a borzoi, a Russian wolfhound. It's a Russian wolfhound. Hmm. A Russian wolfhound. Hmm, no, yeah. <laughs> and that was the smartest animal because he ran off. He's like, I'm out. Peace. He's like, I'm, yeah, I'm out of this shit. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Because the married couple, um, they end up at this windmill. It's a mm -hmm. replica of the first windmill that's ever made. And it's all like canvas. And I'm like, holy cow, that's a lot for the first windmill. That seems like they could have been more creative than that. I had that thought too. And... <laughs> Then uh, they have this weird X-ray camera uh, infrared effect uh, that, you know, there's a monster. It's like Predator before the Predator. Yes. Uh, that's what it was. And it actually works in this movie. I will say that. Yeah, it's for the, the time frame that it's in. It's a decent effect. It's a decent effect. It's fine. It's fine. Exactly. And then uh, so the. So then the couple gets killed uh, really, really, I mean, brutally, like wicked mm -hmm. bad. And then <laughs> <laughs> really, really bad. I, I missed mean, that main accent. Thing yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I, yeah. I mean, I had no attachment to these characters what, whatsoever, but then, you know, they're going to get killed. Of course, you know, when you see them, they're going to get killed. You know, they're going to get killed when they're on their way in the limo and they're, you know, doing their doing their drugs in the back seat you yeah. know they're that's that's a formula that a is movie. a formula yeah if you if you do drugs or have sex you're gonna die if you do drugs and have sex you're gonna die yeah they'd never say i'll be right back that exactly <laughs> that jamie kennedy uh, scream formula works yes for exactly these, especially for this time period actually and then after that scream movie was made probably horror movies went away from that formula <laughs> yep <laughs> yes exactly yeah. yeah yeah and they always and they always get killed in the most brutal way like oh they were partially decapitated their intestines were ripped out and look at these claw marks holy cow that wasn't human it's just like <laughs> mm -hmm. the uh, police chief shows up and he's definitely wearing a toupee and uh then uh, the main character shows up albert finney and a very young Albert Finney. A very young Albert Finney. Yeah, I was like, oh wow, okay, hmm. okay. I always Albert Finney it. when he could jog. <laughs> Albert, yeah, because he's jogging. He plays like an alcoholic detective, so he's out of a job because he's such a drunk. And here he comes in his, you know, sweatsuit. God bless <laughs> him for wearing sweatpants. And uh, yeah, he looks like. I mean, I was gonna make some you know some comparison some funny comparison about what his hairstyle looks like but i decided i'm not going to because it would have gone into some sort of transgender type thing but he has very nice hair a very nice hair 
Yeah, he's got the 70s shag cut. He's got the 70s shag cut. Exactly. Exactly. Hanging on to that. This movie was 1981. He's just one of the last hangers on of that hairstyle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, then uh, Gregory Hines talks about a severed head story. And that is, I put it in. Oh, code. yes. I made a note of that. <laughs> That's some freaky ass shit. It's like, so supposedly, like, when a human head is cut off, it can actually still like speak, may you know make expressions for a few seconds, and that scared me. I didn't like I didn't like that, Sandy. I didn't like that, but it was interesting. I, I found it morbidly fascinating. That morbidly fascinating that the brain can. It said the brain can function for up to one minute yeah. without oxygen, and you can look at your dead body and know that you're dead. That is freaky. That I mean, that is, yeah, wow, that's freaky. It makes you wonder if you could like hook up like some sort of uh, blood pumping thing to your head within like that minute, if you can actually like save the head and then put it back on. Uh, I don't know. I don't. Know. I, I don't want to derail. I, I had read some disturbing research papers on what scientists have been able to do with animals so oh, let's God. not derail this, this could take a dark turn that so. could take a dark turn we'll move along <laughs> yeah yeah i find stuff like that if i hear stuff like that or have a talk about it for too long i just i'm done for the rest of the day and it'll probably go into the next day as well <laughs> like, I, I can't go to work today i'm sorry see and i, I find the, the theory fascinating but probably too dark for this this venue <laughs> exactly yeah that's that's for another podcast with another host Andy. <laughs> <laughs> um and then let's see i write something about a uh, was there a killing of a homeless man i can't read my home own handwriting uh probably there doesn't had matter. been some killings of prior homeless, right of homeless men okay yes correct uh, um but it didn't attract attention until it was a rich white dude. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's, and that's the show is how some segments of society are quite marginalized. I mean, it's like homeless people matter. I mean, homeless people matter as well. And then I put down, I think it was Albert Finney's character that said, God, guns and guts made up America. I, I, <laughs> I had to write that one down because I knew Eric would appreciate that. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's interesting. I don't know if it's an age thing. I don't know if it's the medication I'm on, but I, I have a hard time getting scared watching movies now. Um, the only, and I'll elaborate on that in a little bit. Uh, the only thing that truly scared me in this movie is when Albert Finney climbed up the cables to the top of the Brooklyn Bridge to talk to Edward James almost. That scared the shit out of me. Like, oh, my God, I would never do that. I mean, you yes. can pay me to do that. Yeah. Yeah. With you. I think my comment was, oh, hell no. <laughs> oh, good God, no. And he's doing it. It's like like he's just walking down the sidewalk to uh, get a cup of coffee or something like, oh, it's like, wow. I mean, obviously, he's up there. They filmed this. I mean, I know wearing a harness, whatever else. No, 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 not doing it. 
sorry but fully agreed <laughs> yeah yeah uh but that takes me sorry i don't want to interject here but that no, scene okay. takes me to a bit of a, a a thing that didn't age well on this um the stereotyping of okay. native americans yes. yes in that particular scene yes yeah and of course now i mean ever jane almost is uh hispanic. hispanic right yeah so it makes you wonder now if uh if they made such a movie, if it would be, there'd be a controversy if there were, if he played that role. I don't know. I don't know. Probably. There should Pro be, yeah. Yeah, there should be. I mean, certainly it'd be talked about. Uh, yeah, yeah. And um, it did play on that uh, Native American stereotypes, definitely. Because when he starts talking about, I don't know, the whole werewolf thing and the whole story with the native americans okay great so i understand why there's wolves coming around now how there's a tie-in to edward james almost getting completely naked and howling at the moon i don't get i don't i i don't get it's like okay i mean it, it takes a bit of a leap that scene for me because it, it's almost like they if you, sorry, I'm probably jumping way ahead here. That's okay. Uh, when they came out of the uh, Native American bar, mm -hmm. uh, the three of them, uh, the older gentleman uh, puts a charm around his neck and almost like put uh, some sort of a peyote or something in his lip. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's almost like he was doing a spiritual transformation, yeah. if you will. Um, with the aid of, I don't know what they put in there. He was on a good trip. Let's just say that. Because we know them Indians just love to trip their ass off and see shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but the, the tie-in of the, the wolves to the Indian folklore makes sense. Um, it's just a little disconcerting in a urban setting. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. And around the time of New York City, I mean, there was a lot of gentrification going on. There were these neighborhoods that were being torn down, rubble everywhere. And now um, it was the start of the New York City you see today, basically. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the movie was timely in that fashion. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Somebody reported a fire and I couldn't figure out why. Uh, yes, that was Ferguson. He was the um, yes, yes, the animal expert there. I'm blanking on the the name, but he was the researcher that right. had all the taxidermy animals mm -hmm. um, and was watching the films on uh, wolf behavior, right, and their physical capabilities. Uh, and you can see in the, in that scene, the, the wolf in view, as I call it for that sure. special effect from outside is watching him. Mm -hmm. So he's thinking, and he calls in a fire to get the sirens mm -hmm. to get. So if, if you if you have a Husky and you know, if you, there's a certain tone, they will howl to it. Yes. yes. I think that's why he called in that fire at that certain address. So they'd go by central park. Oh, because if okay. you know New York, the address he gave, Fifth and Sixty Fourth, that's around the central. It would they'd have to go by Central Park, and I he see. got on his motorcycle and went in mm -hmm. to the park and then listened. 
That's really, really good, Sandy, because I mean, and me not knowing New York at all, other than it's a place where the Yankees play, and I don't like the Yankees. <laughs> That's really I have good. a little too much knowledge based on uh, going there for work an excessive amount while I worked at Cole Haan. I stayed in hotels all around that area, all the way down to Chelsea. Oh, nice. Um, so nice. yeah, whatever was cheapest on the Nike rates is where I stayed. I see. I've never spent any time in New York City whatsoever. I've just driven through it on my and part of me takes a little bit of pride in that. But also it's like, you know, I really have to go just to say I experienced New York City. I, I understand that. But for 51 years of my life, somehow I've avoided not going. My kids have even been there. I, I believe both twice and I never have. But yeah, that's good. Good for you. Yeah, that same actor um, is he's a creepy looking guy. And I recognized him because in the first season of that TV show, Blacklist with James Spader, mm-hmm. he plays a character by the name of the stew maker and his job. I don't know if you remember the stew maker. His job is he is called in after a murder or questionable death happens he will Mm. take he will take the body put the body i think he has to cut the body up put it in like a garbage can add a bunch of like chemicals and stuff so the body dissolves then he is able to dump it down the drain of a shower motel oh wow (laughs) yeah and this is what this is his job this is what he does for wow yeah so that that same actor played the stew maker uh so i apologize for that image people because that's quite disturbing i realize yes i wish that officer lay oh okay so albert finney he's you know hot to find out what the heck's going on he's getting some knowledge about this whole wolf thing then he shows up to his uh partner lady detective's apartment this is where my 14 year old boy comes in and it's late at night. She's wearing this like baby blue uh, bathrobe. You can tell she's not wearing anything underneath it. So you know damn well a hump, a hump scene's yes. coming up. Okay. But I'm watching this and I'm thinking to myself, and maybe this is wrong, Sandy, you can tell me. I hope that robe comes off. <laughs> is yeah. that wrong? Is that wrong? That whole scene felt so forced to me. It did. It did. It's like they just thought about, well, we need to throw in some, you know, romance, sex into this movie. So let's have them hook up at her apartment. And there's no, it's not even romantic. It's actually quite lame. I mean, the only thing you see, I would agree. It was forced. It was horrible. <laughs> yeah. The only thing you see is like, you see Albert Finney's uh, back while he's on top of her through the infrared uh, wolf point of view. And I'm like, really, that's it? You know, come on. There needs to be a little bit of build up there. It's like, ugh. yeah, it was it was it was an odd scene that um, felt gratuitous to me. Exactly. Exactly. Then I wrote down in quotation marks. Uh, the Somebody said this, I guess, uh, about a black moon. Oh, I know what it was. Gregory Hines, as he's doing surveillance, he moons 
another guy doing surveillance from across the street so they could see it in the telescope. And then he responds, black moon over Manhattan. I thought that was quite clever. I, <laughs> I really did. So anyway, I'll give my final, my final notes uh, after I hear from you. <laughs> so I have, I took a lot of notes on, um, there was a scene in the church um, and sort of just the overall uh, creepiness of that location, um, the uh, darkness, the rubble, uh, it just sort of gave a very ominous uh, mode to that location from the very first scene that they're in there. Um, so then it's sort of fitting as they're doing surveillance and uh, Gregory Hines ends up being sort of killed in that location, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that was, it was sort of almost like almost a foreshadow um, that this is a, a dangerous locale and something bad is going to happen uh, the way it's set up. Um, as far as the storyline with the suspects of who's doing this killing as they're looking at the bite marks in the neck. Um, Gregory Hines' character, I think his name was Wilmington or something to that effect. Yep. Um, and he's saying these aren't human. And then the Ferguson is like, well, these aren't, uh, these are not a wolf. So it's sort of in between. And then it transitions and there's a conversation uh, that is between um, Eddie Holt and Dewey on the bridge where he talks about being a shapeshifter, yes. that it's all in the mind, uh, that, you know, just, uh, he can be a, a fish swimming through the water or he could be a rabbit or he could be a deer. Um, and then it sort of sets the tone that he might be the killer uh, during that bridge scene. Uh, with Dewey. And as the coroner is looking at it with the um, Ferguson, Ferguson says, well, if a wolf wouldn't, wouldn't kill a human like this, that they are uh, very similar uh, in their approach as a predator, uh, that they would not overpopulate and they wouldn't kill unnecessarily. And it wouldn't be a wolf doing this mm -hmm. in essence. The whole Rebecca interaction, um, it seems that she is um, not as active a participant. And I know this is terrible. She seems to be very passive in her reactions mm -hmm. um, and almost, you know, shell shocked at points. Um, and she's I, the she's the partner detective. She's the partner uh, yes. yeah. that's that's with Dewey. Um, I didn't particularly like the way she was portrayed um, in this role. She seems like she has a high level of education, mm -hmm. but she's she's more passive than I would like to have seen in the only real female character other than the wife of Vanderveer who gets killed in the opening scene. Right. Who probably only had like uh, maybe two lines in the whole movie. Yeah. yeah it was, yeah. it was mostly shots of her um, looking pretty and, you know, dying. <laughs> and is that a product of the times, uh, the Rebecca role just being passive, you think? I think it is. I really do. Um, mm -hmm. 
I don't think that aspect of the movie aged well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very male dominated cast, which of course speaks to the, to the time zone sure. or the timeline. <laughs> time well, in, in New York too, those damn misogynistic New Yorkers. <laughs> hey now. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. Hey now. <laughs> I've worked with some good people from New York. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, the storyline of the skins and wolves. Um, this happens later in the movie after uh, Gregory Hines's character is is killed, and he's speaking with uh, Eddie Holt, and he's in the Native American bar, and they're sort of giving the history of the wolfen going underground and basically uh, the smart ones they they went underground and they may be gods mm-hmm. um, that they hunt uh, what society outcasts people who won't be missed and they only kill for protection um, or survival and then they feed on those who won't be missed mm-hmm. um, that sort of set a different view of what these things were. I struggle with that a little bit in that the way some people who pulled a gun early on, the bodyguard for the Vandeveers, mm-hmm. he immediately lost his hand, like seconds. Then later on in the movie towards the end, when the detective also pulls a gun, he loses his hand. Mm-hmm. But when Rebecca and Dewey go back up into Vandeveer's office and she has a gun and Dewey has a gun and the wolves are just sort of standing there snarling at them, that that was a little bit off to me in how it had happened previously um, with their reaction to being threatened. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That um, makes... So that that was a little incongruous to how they behaved previously. It's almost like they were giving them the benefit of the doubt. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And that sort of set Dewey up to be able to destroy the uh, mock-up of the buildings that were going to be built in that area where they were doing the demolition. Well, and that's, and that was a weird scene for me Uh, Just like, okay, I get it. The wolves are seeing that the detective gets it. So he's destroying this model of these buildings that are are Mm -hmm. to be built on sacred ground. And then the wolves turn around, uh, turn around. Yeah, 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 they they go away. So it's like, okay, but it still doesn't mean the buildings aren't going to be built there. I mean, just because a detective, you know, knocked over the Lego buildings. I mean, I, I fully agree on that. Um, in the real world, mm-hmm. that that would be the uh, just somebody else would come in. Another developer would come in and put up the buildings anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. In in suspension of disbelief world in a film, mm-hmm. um, it spoke to the Vanderveers were gone. Uh, the model is destroyed. It's not going to happen. So the wolves are able to go back, even though they've been the wolf and have been, quote, exposed or brought into the light. Mm-hmm. they are able to maintain their hunting grounds because it's not going to be destroyed and have all these high rises put up. Yeah. Um, and, and little do they, we, little did they know they were mistaken. <laughs> the immediate threat was gone. Let's the go immediate with that. threat was gone. The right. immediate threat was gone. 
Right. Um, and next time it'll be somebody else's problem. <laughs> exactly. And that'll be the sequel to this movie, which uh, who knows if there was one made. Uh, I don't think. You no, know, I was. never, I did not look into that. I didn't either. I, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Uh, but I mean, it's still, for me, the storyline, um, the abuse or I don't know if I'd call it abuse, but the way humans are populating the world and taking over natural areas and pushing out uh, indigenous species. I think that remains timely as you look back on this movie. Um, in that case, it was the gentrification of, of uh, the Bronx in Brooklyn. Right. And now as you look around the world, that is still continuing everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, areas that used to be natural habitats are being destroyed for the progress of, you know, humans. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And sometimes gentrification is a good thing. If you take existing property and you just clean it up, I think of the combat zone in Boston or Times Square in New York for that Mm -hmm. matter, you know, great, Uh, great. But when it gets into, you know, wetlands or, rainforest the rainforest especially yeah yeah uh, and the fact that it's an ongoing problem and then it's i don't know so many people just don't think about their place in the world they'll acknowledge that you know climate change exists that you know we need to do a better job uh maybe not burning fossil fuels as much as we do but there again uh many of us just think of ourselves and how we exist on a day-to-day basis, you know, mm-hmm. getting upset that we have to pay $4 uh, a gallon for gasoline, that type of thing. Oh, geez. I can't wait until they cut $4 until, a gallon would be a dream. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Out here, it's like five sixty nine. <laughs> uh, there you go. There you go. And it's just like, and I mean, I get it. It affects uh, some people more than others. I mean, it doesn't affect me much. Uh, I mean, I put $50 worth of gas in my car and it lasts me nine days. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be okay. And I understand that it's going to, it hits people more than others, but it doesn't really, we don't really think about long-term solutions to this or, and we remain ignorant to the fact that, you know, destroying the rainforest is still a thing. We're talking about this, you know, back when we're in school, Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, and it's yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's and it just social- continues. <laughs> and it just continues exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, I did note that one positive of this movie is this movie doesn't have lame uh, special effects that are now laughable. That I is also, correct. Yeah, yeah. I have one negative of this movie. This movie doesn't have lame special effects that are now <laughs> laughable. <laughs> You know, I kind of wanted to have that. Um, instead, instead, it relies too much on a storyline that at times seems disjointed and maybe even a little bit difficult to follow. You followed it better than I did. Um, and that might be just because when I watch movies or TV shows now, I just don't want to, th- a lot of times, I just don't want to think too deeply about what I'm hmm. watching. Um, and this one, I think, does when you watch it, it takes a you have to pay attention. You have to pay attention to really what is going on. For you whole- do. And there are, are points in it where the uh, lackluster acting mm-hmm. uh, can make it really a little bit of a struggle to get through at some points. 
Mm -hmm. um, I ended up watching it twice. Okay. Um, I watched it once all the way through, um, taking uh, notes as I was going. And then I did a second watch to, to connect some of the dots on the questions I had on my notes, which is where I had some tiebacks mm -hmm. um, to better understand. Yeah, and good for you because it would have been difficult for me to go back, I think. Uh, uh, and it's like, as you know, it's hard for me to kind of watch movies multiple times anyway, especially in a short period of time. But this one would have been a struggle for me if I chose if I had chosen to do that. I don't know. I mean, so as I'm thinking about it uh, towards the end, I'm like, well, if I'm answering the question whether or not uh, it stands the test of time, it's like, well, I mean, it doesn't seem like parts of it, I guess, seem outdated. We mentioned the Native American part and mm -hmm. how you you wouldn't play on certain stereotypes now and you more than likely wouldn't have a someone other than a Native American actor playing in those roles. And so that part doesn't really hold up very well, I guess. Other than that, I can still see a movie uh, being made with that same storyline. Yes. I, I would hope, and it's it's good that you mention it because I don't always notice it when the female roles, the lack of female roles, or if they're are in this case there's one female role and it's, she's pretty passive as you said it's uh, good that you brought that up so if it was made again you would definitely i believe probably have a stronger female role at least one probably multiple for that matter and oh the wolves in this movie they yeah they look realistic they probably brought in some iditarod sled dogs and that works, I suppose. And the infrared point of view thing you mentioned earlier doesn't really work for you. I thought it was kind of okay. Uh, the reason product. it didn't work for me is it it gave it was a tell that something somebody was going to be attacked. Yeah. That the that somebody's death was imminent and there was going to be a wolfen attack. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been a little more suspenseful if it switched to that view as the attack was happening. Gotcha. gotcha. It, it gave, or you could have like the setup scenes with some wolf in view and then cut away. Mm -hmm. So you're not sure exactly who, who is going to be axed next. Yes. Yes. And that's a good point. Yeah. So, so the question doesn't stand the test of time for the most part. I mean, if you're just uh, with a movie with a strong storyline, I'd say, yes, if you took this storyline and you put it into present day, the storyline itself and the concept is actually pretty good uh, with some things tweaks that you would have to do to kind of make it just more socially correct for the times uh, but when it comes down to it it's just not a very good movie um, it's okay uh, I mean I guess on a one to ten scale I'd give this one a five at best um, and that's where I stand. Some mediocre acting, some halfway decent acting. Visually. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I'm with you on that. Um, mm -hmm. Parts of it do stand the test of time. Yep. The overall theme and storyline is still very relevant today. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the cultural stereotypes would have to be um, addressed better. Mm -hmm. um, 
or it's hard to eliminate them completely based on the folklore that's used in the storyline, but just the the way it's portrayed um, and some of the the uh, derogatory statements that are made in regards to Native Americans um, would need to be fixed. Yeah, yeah, definitely fixed a little bit. So yeah. Uh, so, and that's our review of Wolfen from 1981, which you can uh, stream, I believe, for four dollars on Amazon or YouTube. I rent a lot of movies on there too. <laughs> and uh, anyway, thank you, Sandy, for this one. And uh, we'll, thanks, Matt. Absolutely. All right, and there you have it. Thanks again for listening. I'm getting slightly better as time goes on with this whole editing thing. And uh, I am patting myself on the back for that, I guess. Thank you again for listening to this episode. I always enjoy Sandy so much. She's so just a fun person and a good person and just a blast to co-host these movie review shows with. To the rest of you, thanks for listening. Uh, Spread the word. Follow me on Twitter. And until next time, I love you all. Take care.